means the ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We are talking chapter 12, Professor Umbridge. That's ominous. We have Molly with us again. Hello. And once again, if you hear clinking in the background, that is knitting. (laughs) I just love a good knitting pattern. Ooh, nicely played. Look at you. Well played. Um, So before we get into the chapter, uh, some shout outs that I want to give to some comments that were left on chapter one from book one. Way back when. (laughs) Sprinkles said, I loved it so much. Thank you so much for that awesome comment. That was all caps, by the way, if you couldn't get that across from my (laughs) dramatic reading of it. Uh, and then also Street Rat, which makes me want to go into the Aladdin song. Oh, yeah. Uh, I won't. Um, I'll spare you all my singing voice. But Street Rat uh, said, this is great for road trips. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for listening to us. And um, I'm glad my talking voice comes across well on a car <laughs> sound system as you're traveling. So I hope you're enjoying wherever you're road tripping to. Yeah, let us know where you're taking those orchards. I I would care. I love travel. I love it. Yeah. All right. So we get this chapter, which is Professor Umbridge. Obviously, there's a lot of Umbridge as we get into her defense against the dark arts class for the first time. So we will get there. We get uh, some interactions at breakfast uh, between a couple of different people. We get some news. We get the schedule for the year we get some information on owls or as i call them owls so we get some information on those and we get to see three classrooms specifically Mm -hmm. well four i guess but i don't really count bins's classroom as a (laughs) uh we get to see snape's class we get to see trelawney's class and we get to see umbridge's class uh bin's class spoiler alert super boring it's just him I agree with Harry, though. I will say this about Ben's. This could be a really fascinating class. Absolutely. I think the class that they had in this chapter was Troll Wars. Yeah. Or was it Giant War? Giant Wars. Giant Wars. It was Giant Wars. Yeah. I think that's cool. That's objectively awesome. Yeah. Um, It's just the idea of monotonous droning on endlessly. Right. uh, Can get really old really quick. Yeah. I get it, but it's a class that does have merits. I will say that, um, as I trashed it earlier. Uh, so, <laughs> as we start the chapter, we get this notice on the Gryffindor board saying, simple, part-time, virtually <laughs> painless jobs. Uh, also, all work done at applicant's own risk. <laughs> very uh, contradictory. Uh, yeah. It's a very uh, interestingly worded advertisement. Um <laughs> from the twins and Hermione's like we're gonna have to deal with them and Ron's like who's we (laughs) you're gonna have to do that and here's my first question for Molly of the podcast do you think Hermione is correct 
in making Ron be involved in this punishment? <sighs> it's a deep thinker right up, right up. It off the is. Back. Yes, I do. You think she's right in involving him? I do. Okay. Why? Because he's also a prefect. Okay. That's his part of his job. So you're taking the literal approach. I'm taking the literal logical approach to Fair it. Fair enough. Like if I were Ron, I would be in the same boat of like, come on. I don't want to deal with this because there's so much behind all of that. Like he doesn't want to be a Percy. Right. This is a tough one because now I'm changing my mind. I haven't even said anything yet. I know. Because I get it too because having to be authoritative to family members. But it's his job. That's the only thing. I'm very torn on this. I, I do agree it is his job as prefect. However, I will say that this is a pretty aggressive conflict of interest. Yeah. And not only is it his family members, unlike Percy before him, he's younger than them. Yeah. So this is a pretty hard spot to put Ron in here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little unfair for Hermione. I think this is a job she has to take on her own and recognize, like, I'm putting Ron in a bad position here. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't do that. Right. Now, I making Ron do his job in other ways, Yeah. fine. Yeah. But in this particular circumstance, I think it's a little unfair to be like, Ron, go discipline your older brothers that have been over the top of you forever. Right. Like, that's... That's a unwinnable situation for Ron, which Ron recognizes. Right. And he's like, come on. Um, I also say this. Where are the head boy and head girl? Yeah, that's true. Where are they at? Yeah. Shouldn't they technically say something? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is that is a very good point. I feel like they should be in on this. Yeah. Um, I don't even know who they are. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Do they even say? They don't. And we learned that Angelina Johnson is the Quidditch captain for this year, which gives her some clout. Yeah. Um, But we don't learn who specifically the head boy and head girl are for Gryffindor. Yeah. So. I mean, to be fair to you, I mean, Fred and George are going to do their own thing anyway. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You yell at them. I mean. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's be be real here. It's just interesting that Hermione seems to be like, I have to take this upon myself. And I'm like. Maybe this is one where you go to the head boy and head girl and be like, hey, yeah. can you deal with this? Yeah. Or not even that. They should be recognized on their own and be like, hey, that's not cool. Right. <laughs> I think it's just probably Hermione taking it literally. and If I'm not overanalyzing it, it's just a literary way to get you into the Hermione and Ron are prefects now and they have yeah. additional responsibilities. Right. I don't practically if this was a real world situation i don't think i don't think ron would be involved in this no and i don't think hermione would honestly be involved either i think it would be a head boy head girl situation yeah but whatever they're the head boy and head girl are not major characters in this book right (laughs) so we get hermione my brain immediately jumps to like cartoons or whatever like the hall monitors yeah <laughs> like like Hermione is taking the seriousness of being a hall monitor yep yeah with little like write-up cards in her like yes. uh, pocket that she just pulls right. out but not to a Percy level I feel like Hermione can get to a per if she... left unchecked I feel like she can get there yeah but she also too isn't like vying for like Percy has some slither in him I feel like like in terms of Hermione has some ambition she does. 
especially in the academic realm. Yeah. And she clearly relishes this responsibility that she's gotten. Yeah. I feel like this is why the trio is so good together. And you have some comments on Ron specifically later. Yes. But I feel like the trio works well together because Harry and Ron do such a good job of reeling her back in yeah. from going to that Percy level. I think she could get there if left completely like unchecked. Um, yeah. But I yeah, think Ron that's... and Harry check her mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. So and they and they force her to do some un um, Percy like things. Yeah. Where it's like cheating on homework and right. stuff like that that just brings her down to like their right. level in a way kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a tangent right out the gate. Yes, it was. So, Good question. Thank you. Yeah. So speaking of the trio, <laughs> we get an interesting interaction at breakfast where Ron and Hermione are chirping at, uh, at each other for the second time in a morning. Mm-hmm. And Harry is over it and he kind of snaps at them and was like will you two please stop your bickering and then just walks off yeah um and kind of leaves them open mouth stunned like what yeah again i'm i feel like i'm gonna get so much flack for this but again i'm gonna come to harry's aid and defense (laughs) and be like yeah i'd probably pop off after going through everything that i went through and then just listening to like Hermione and Ron bickering. To to your point about that, and to Harry's point, he's going through some real stuff. Yeah. And they're generally bickering over really dumb stuff. Yes. And it's like, if you're going through something real, yeah. and you're hearing people complain about essentially nothing, yeah. it gets old really quick. Yeah. And you're like, can you guys please stop? Yeah. Or continue. Right. I'm leaving. Right. <laughs> like, like, whatever you want to do, yeah. one way or the other. <laughs> Uh, Hermione does call him out for snapping at them so much. Yeah. And it's like, Harry, it's not our fault that, yeah. you know, you're, whatever, people don't believe you or what. Right. All of the things happening right now. Right. It's not our fault. Right. So don't take it out on us. Yeah. Which is fair for her to say that. And then this leaves Harry um, in this sense of, he still feels like he's justified in a lot of what he says and does, but he also feels this level of, being ashamed mm-hmm. and I feel like that again is a very real yeah conflicting emotion that people have for sure I mean there's definitely some remorse in him for like popping off yeah and he he does apologize for it he's yeah. like eh, I'm sorry yeah. but it's it's um that idea of like no what I said was right mm-hmm but I do feel bad for saying it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, f- I feel bad for being so aggressive about it. Yeah. Wasn't the right way to go about it. Mm-hmm. My fault. Um, so that that's kind of interesting. Just that kind of dynamic. We get into this whole idea of Voldy. And Voldy splitting the wizarding world after two months. And he hasn't even shown himself yet. Like, things haven't even really started... The ball hasn't really started rolling yet mm-hmm. down the hill. And Hermione and Harry talk about things splitting. And I'm wondering, as I'm reading it, how could that have been prevented? Like, you now have this splintering between Fudge and Dumbledore. And Dumbledore brought it up to Fudge... 
like that night. Is was there a better way for Dumbledore to do that? I, obviously, we know Fudge could have reacted better, mm-hmm. but also thinking from his point of view, you know that's a cascading level. And just be let's be real about it for a second. Just because Fudge even believes Dumbledore doesn't mean everybody will. Mm-hmm. Like Fudge could believe him, and he could start putting stuff in the profit about like, hey, be cautious, be aware, be on the lookout. Well, okay, that's fudge and that's a profit doesn't mean everybody's going to be on board for that and there could still be a fracturing of the wizarding world so is there a way to prevent this or is voldy just that talented at causing division amongst allies i know that's a heavy question i think it's a little bit of column a a little bit of column b okay i think people would be more ready to believe if Fudge and the Prophet were on board. But at the same time, like, Boldy has his crew, and he's just kind of a psychopath. So, <laughs> usually... To put it mildly, yeah. <laughs> usually psychopaths are pretty good at being able to sway people and create divisions. It's pretty so, remarkable that he hasn't even really had to even do anything yet. Right. And he's already causing... Problems in communication, in organization. Yeah. Like, this start could not have gone any better for him. And he hasn't even done anything yet. Yeah. He's just existed. Right. <laughs> no, it's like just the fear of what had happened before. Yeah. Which, I suppose, is just a massive testament to Voldy. Yeah. And how powerful fear is. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to other conversations we had about other characters. But, you know, and we talked last chapter a lot about... Harry being the target of gossip and accusations, Harry looks at the division being caused right now and about the division that's always existed and about the Sorting Hat's new song and how houses must come together. And he's like, I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't see Slytherin really making an effort to unify on anything. No. So he's like, I don't, I don't see how this is possible. Right. So has he already won? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Well, I think, too, it's just he's playing off of how long those divisions have been in place. So that may, that was already made easier for him. Mm-hmm. When Hermione gets the Daily Prophet, Harry somewhat snaps at her and was like, why are you even still re- reading that rubbish? Mm-hmm. And, you know, she makes a you know comment that's correct. She's like, it's best to know what the enemy is saying, which is 100% true. But I'm like, Harry, this is a, a moment where you're being an idiot again. Because you literally were told by the entire Order of the Phoenix that you weren't reading the prophet over the summer. You have no idea what's going on. Yeah. You were just told by the entire Order of the Phoenix <laughs> that you might want to at least pay attention to what the prophet's saying. Yeah. And now you're yelling at Hermione, not yelling, I shouldn't say yelling, but she, you're coming at Hermione again mm-hmm. for, re- yes, she should be reading the prophet. One of you should be reading the prophet. <laughs> Somebody should be reading like, the prophet. You clearly did not learn a lesson that was told to you literally mo- like days ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, Harry. I don't get it. Like, he's taught a lesson and blatantly ignores it like, <laughs> right away. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that just grinds my gear. <laughs> so we 
we learn of their schedule for the mm-hmm. for the day for this Monday, which I will admit it does sound. I agree with Ron. This sounds like a doozy of a Monday. Oh man, that just uh... history of magic, double potions, divination, <laughs> and double defense against the dark arch, which might sound great until you realize who's teaching it and what this is going to be, which we'll get to later. And then the twins come in and we're like, oh, they're going to be brutal on you guys this year. Teachers are going to like really dig in. Like, why? Owls. It's <laughs> OWLs. Ordinary wizarding levels are upon us. And then they give us two names. Patricia Stimson, who Fred and George mentioned just came up faint often just, you know, mm-hmm. by the stress of it. And Kenneth Towler who um, they thought was stressed, and then they realized, oh, no, no, that's just pranks we were playing on him. Oh, my God. Oh, the twins. And there's something else. But we get Patricia Stimson and Kenneth Tyler, so there's some mentions. We learned that Fred and George got three owls each, uh, which is less than Percy got, I think. Percy got, like, 12, didn't he? Mm -hmm. But they said their careers lay outside of academic achievement. (laughs) Which, so they're clearly building a business, right? Yes. So I have to quibble them with them on a little bit of what they're saying, because they're clearly using things that they've learned at Hogwarts in their magical experiments. 100%. And they're not dumb. They're clearly very brilliant individuals. So I'm quibbling them with them a little bit on the whole areas outside of academic achievement. Um, You're still achieving quite an academic feet yeah so just saying guys don't sell yourself short <laughs> and they're they say that they're running research all year and taking notes that's brilliant in itself oh yeah like to actually run these exp- granted they're running experiments on living human beings which... <laughs> but it's part-time and it's easy this doesn't don't they say like oh i could give you a nosebleed nougat but um we haven't figured out how to, how to stop, stop it. it so you might bleed out <laughs> <laughs> Like, that seems like a problem. But it's part-time, and it's easy work. <laughs> yes. It's totally safe. Part-time, virtually painless. Virtually. Virtually painless. Yeah. So, anyway. So, uh, let's not sell the twins short here. I give you guys a little bit more credit. Come on. Yeah. Uh, which gets them sparked on the idea of wizarding professions. Ron and Harry seem very fervently uh, in the direction of Aurors. Seems cool to them. They seem awesome. Hermione's more TBD. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I want to do something worthwhile, which they both exclaim, oh, well, ors are worthwhile. And she's like, I know. That's not the point of what I said. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say they weren't. I just said there's mul- there's multiple. There's many things we can do. In- including her SPEW work. Mm. Her spew work, which people don't like me saying spew. But it's spew work. Spew. If I say owls, I'm saying spew. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, there's that interaction that they have. There's a Cho Harry interaction that happens. Oh, Cho searches Harry out again, mm-hmm. tries to have a conversation with him, and Ron is the worst wingman <laughs> ever. Uh, horrible. He gets on her about her Quidditch affiliation. It's like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> her mind is like, she was trying to talk to Harry. Yeah. He's like, I know, I didn't like interfere. Like, yes, you definitely did. You definitely did, Ron. You definitely cooled that situation. Um, but, um, the ultimate cooler, though, is Severus Snape. Yeah. And they all get into class, and he immediately calls them all moronic. What a 
Sure. <laughs> it's just like right out the gate. Yeah. You know, he sets up the whole, I only take the best of the best mm-hmm. going on past this year. Gonna be ashamed to lose some of you. Mm-hmm. This will be our final goodbye. Mm-hmm. Harry. 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 <laughs> like, All directed. Yeah. Even though Harry does quite well with this potion, for the most part. Yeah. Um, Gets probably what I would consider worthy of maybe a B. Yeah. And Snape's just like, nope, all gone. Yeah. You get zero. Um, that's unfair. We can talk to Elizabeth about grading situations later. Yeah. But <laughs> the, the potion was the drought of peace, which I feel like is poignant for everything going on in Harry's life right now. Yes. A very po- uh, poignant potion. Yeah. It induces calm and a, uh, it calms anxiety and soothes agitation. Mm-hmm. Um right up where harry needs yeah and you're like what can go wrong with this potion it seems like a potion most people should be taking most of the time especially in this wizarding world with no therapy exactly but too much can cause heavy and possibly irreversible sleep (laughs) it could kill you yes so there's that put you in a coma and it's rather complicated you have to do you ever remember the old pottermore site yeah and did you remember did you go through the books like, they had books, and you did, like, certain tasks, and you can, like, progress through the books. And you I had to, like, part of it was making potions. And they were always really, they, for me, they were very difficult. Because mm-hmm. it was very similar to this. It's like, they would give you ingredients, and then you literally had to be like, add powdered moonstone, stir three times, counterclockwise, simmer <laughs> for seven minutes, not eight, not six, seven minutes. And then add two drops of hellebore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so help you. If you did not, if you like got distracted with something else and it was like, oh shoot, I didn't serve for seven. I let this go for 10 minutes. Like, nope, the whole thing's ruined and your ingredients are gone. Yeah. And then it's like, how do I even get, literally I stopped this because my ingredients got used and I had no way of getting the ingredients again. I'm like, I guess I'm stuck. <laughs> I guess Aww. I can't, because I can't finish the book. Can't, can't move forward. Yeah. My point is potions are rough yeah they can be very rough yeah shout us out if you remember that storyline of pottermore back in the day but in all honesty as as rough as snape is uh, on his students and he is aggressive and 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 too much he's really good at potions he is because he came over to harry's which wasn't perfect like i said probably like a b maybe even a b plus and he goes hmm Harry, can you read? Read line three for me, please. Uh, And he picked out the exact thing that Harry did wrong in his potion. Yeah. That's pretty darn good. I can't look at, like, a soup and be like, you missed, like, a pinch of salt. You know what? This is just terrible. Just awful. Like, that's not how I... I'm sure there are people that can do that. Not me. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of, like, the Great British Baking Show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> like Paul Hollywood. <laughs> can can Snape be a baking show judge? I think so. Would he, he be probably, the Gordon Ramsay of he baking shows? Would. He'd probably be really mean. Yeah. <laughs> this is horrible. My five year old can do better than this. Right. Oh my god. Yep. If the only great... Alan Rickman was still around, I would love to see that. Right. The great potions show <laughs> <laughs> the great wizard potions show 
Perfect potions? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Spin off. I feel like if I was a writer on SNL, that's what I would have done. Yeah. I would have gotten Alan Rickman to do a skit that's just like, can we do Snape, but as the host of the great Thanks. British breaking show? I gotta wonder, because like if potion making is like so dangerous, like yep. I gotta wonder like how much Snape has like played with potions and like like dabbled to, around with yeah, it. Yeah, like to know, like, okay, third read the third line, this is what you missed. Like, I wonder if he's just sat there for hours and, like, just played with... This is what this outcome. potion looks like in ten minutes. Yeah. This is what this potion looks like in five minutes. Right. You added... Uh, you stirred four times counterclockwise, not three, you right. idiot. <laughs> like, right, because I've done this before. Right. Like... You didn't go a full three times. It was a two and a half. It's not enough. Yeah. Not enough. Or, I mean, I guess, too, though, all the other students are probably making those mistakes so he's cataloging them one of them turned into like concrete yeah they couldn't even get and then i think it was seamus yeah put it into a vial and the vial exploded it's like yeah come on yeah anyway um speaking of great teachers we're moving on to trelawney's class Uh, (laughs) and i guess this is where that we had the ron and hermione bickering leads to harry piecing out but yeah we get to trelawney's class because he's the first one in trelawney's class and it's interesting. I I know I'm going to get a ton of flack for this because I've got... Uh-oh. This is... Jen and Julie were on an island with the whole Harry versus Ron and Hermione, Percy versus Arthur argument. I have been on my island with Trelawney is not as bad as everybody says she is. I, I came to your aid once. You did. You did. I feel like this is a decent lesson and a decent topic matter. I'm just throwing that out there. It's dream interpretation and dream diaries. <laughs> Which is a very real thing in the real world. Like, people do this. Yes. And uh, people are very much into the belief that dreams mean something. Mm-hmm. If not all dreams, some dreams, very vivid dreams or very, like, mm-hmm. realistic dreams, whatever. Um, so people do very much believe in this. And she also comes out with another realistic thing about, you know, exams, not really a big fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, not, not really a big fan of the OWLs. Yeah. I think they're kind of meaningless. If you have it, you do. If you don't, you don't. And that's it. That's <laughs> like, it and she goes, I honestly don't think you should be taking them. Yeah. But here we are. Okay. So I thought it was a very real comment from her right off the gate. I thought it was a solid class. Just saying. What, what about you, Molly? You think dream interpretation? You, you behind that? Oh, I, I mean, I think there's something to be said for your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. I think some dreams have more meaning than you think that they do in terms of like being cataloged throughout your day. What happens? I mean, you're processing what happened and putting it into like memories and into your, your brain bank. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that there are some sort of meanings, but as deep as some people get with them, nah. Do you, did you ever see, um, I know you've been you've been lacking on some of the the Marvel movies mm-hmm. as of late. Did you ever see Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? I did not. So they get into the idea that dreams are just you tapping into the multiverse version of you. Oh. So somewhere in the multiverse, you are exp- like a version of you is experiencing that. That's kind of cool. Right? Yeah. I uh, like that idea. There's your Trelawney Marvel crossover Love event. Um, we needed it. Hermione and Ron corner him uh, at some point and tell him to stop 
taking his anger out on them. And uh, this is where he feels that uh, ashamed, but also kind of annoyed because he thinks he's right moment. But there's not enough time to respond because we get Umbridge's class. And she wants to focus her class around theory-centered, ministry-approved coursework. Which immediately, Ron blurts out, we're not going to use magic? Like, what? If I'm being real, I think the idea of learning the theory of defensive magic is valid. Like, mm-hmm. I get that idea. Granted, they're in fifth year, and mm-hmm. this is probably a year one thing. That aside, mm-hmm. I think the values of learning the idea and the theory behind defensive magic is valuable. Yeah. Where I disagree <laughs> is the practical. Her her opinions on practically using it. Because they bring up, like, well, what if something happens? and we ha- Or not even that. What about the owls? We have a practical. Right. We have to actually do it. And she's like, well, if you if you read enough and you study enough, you'll be able to do it. Nope. That is not how that works. No. So for my profession specifically, I have a lot of hands-on stuff. Well, our professions, honestly. Yeah. Both of our professions. You know, I, I was referring to, I was thinking about taping. Like mm-hmm. if I have to tape an ankle. Oh, yeah. You can tell me how to. Mm-hmm. But until I do it, yeah. I'm not going to figure out how that works, how each angle works. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're, if you and I are doing exercise on a person or like a manipulation of some sort. You have to be able you to have feel to do what it. that feels like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's been things where it's like you have to feel that feel mm-hmm. or you're never going to be comfortable doing it. Right. And so I can't disagree any more vehemently yeah with her idea on practical anything but magic in this case mm-hmm. oh you'll be able to do a patronus in front of a dementor just read yeah don't worry about how that dementor actually interacts with you right what you're feeling in that moment forget that yeah just read and you'll be fine you'll That's be fine not how that works mm-hmm. so i Cannot disagree with her more about that. <laughs> and then also, then they bring up the idea of like, well, what if somebody attacks us, mm-hmm. like outside of school? Yeah. And she's like, oh, who would attack you? And this whole thing is geared around Voldemort, right? That's, right. The whole, that's what Harry's bringing up. That's what she's trying to not bring up and sweep under the rug. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, yeah, I get the large basilisk in the room is Voldy. Right. But... What about your general bad guys? Like, not everybody is a sociopathic serial killer. Right. I understand that. Right. But what about thieves? Mm-hmm. What about just people that are committing just basic assault or right. basic harassment or basic, like, yeah. low-level misdemeanors? Right. Or even some low-level felonies? Right. Like, just normal criminals, not, like, your hardened murderers. Like, what are you doing? Like... If you had Mundungus come in your house to steal something. <laughs> Mundungus. Yeah. First of all, you say, Mundungus. Mundungus. To try, to, to try to get him up. Like, whoa, what? Constant vigilance. But you need constant vigilance. But then you need to be like, get out of my house. Right. And if he doesn't want to leave the house, mm-hmm. you might have to engage there. 
he's not trying to kill you necessarily, but he's trying to rob from you or yeah. take something. No, you bring up a because I had a, a like similar thoughts too because I was trying to compare it in my brain when I was you know reading and listening to this again. Like we don't have that in the human world, in the in the Muggle world. Like they have like a specific like defense class. We don't really have that at all. Like if you're out in the wild and somebody wants to rob you, like what do you do? Yeah, I, you, you're right. You're one hundred percent right. Like on a daily basis, yeah. right? Like I mean, I've taken like a um, women's self defense course mm -hmm. and everything, and you know, I know how to defend myself if anything bad were to happen. But like. It's just wild to me that they have a whole class, like, in the wizarding world, specifically for defense. And it's like the centerpiece class. Yeah. It's like the, this is on a pedestal class. Right. Yeah. I, well, I guess you're right. I've never thought about it that way before. Yeah. You are right. I've always been a proponent of practical stuff. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong, you know, the whole... English, history, math, science, core curriculum, like, I, that's fine, and I get it, and that's great. But I'm also a fan of, like, you know, maybe one of your math classes should be, like, how to budget. 100%. How to do taxes. How to, like, buy a house. How to buy a car. Mm -hmm. What goes into all that? How do you do an annuity? That should be part of a math class. Yeah. Not everybody is going to go into something that involves calculus. Right. Maybe that shouldn't be a requirement. Right. Or, to your point, maybe some self-defense classes. Like some basic yeah. self-defense. Or like shop. I know mm -hmm. shop is going down in a lot of places, but it'd be nice to know your way around a car if you're stranded on the side of a road. Right. Maybe you should know how to change a tire or change the oil or, right. like, or whatever. Or how to, like, shop. Like, how to just use a hammer. Yep. How to, like, build your own furniture. Yeah. How to knit. Even if, yes, even if it's simple, even if it's just like a basic table, you don't have to build some ornate like desk, mm -hmm. like just something functional that you yeah. can use. Right. I think those things are important. So yeah, it is interesting how they built like an entire yeah course on this, and it's like the most popular right. <laughs> class. But I, I get it though, because like with magic, there is like the dark arts, so people practice like dark magic that right. could harm you and all that so i get it in a fantasy world but when i was listening to this you know trying to relate to it it was like we don't really have like would you taken uh now they probably wouldn't have called it like maybe self-defense and they might have i don't know but would you have taken like a um as a extracurricular like martial arts possibly i mean you can use that as a form of self-defense because you yeah. now know how to right like hit someone or or at least clear them off of you or get them off of you or whatever have you. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. I mean, maybe. I don't think when I was in high school or anything like that, I would have like... Thought of it. Thought of that. Like, I would have seen martial arts less important than as like, honestly, if they would have been like self-defense course, I would have been like, yeah, I'll take that. Oh, okay. So, so you're like branding. Branding means something. I guess. Like how, how they're yeah. like selling the class to you is like, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's Absolutely. fair. Absolutely, yeah. Self-defense class. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a situation, this is what you do, done. Or, we're going to walk past each other, 
And I'm going to do something. You don't know what I'm going to do, but then you're going to have to react to it, given the tools that I've given you. Yeah. And you're going to have to actually practice it, actually do it, so mm -hmm. that, God forbid, when it actually happens, or if it does, you're prepared to get yourself out of it. Yeah. Reading is not going to get that job done. <laughs> no. So we disagree with Umbridge's yeah. form of teaching. And not to, like, shamelessly plug something, but I'm not because it's a really good course. It's impact. They have more than just in the Chicagoland area. I believe they have in California too. But um, I mean, it is very emotionally and physically draining. You have to be prepared for it. And also too, like if you do have trauma issues in the past, just be aware that that may bring some of that up. Could be triggering. Yeah, if you were interested in doing it. Back to Harry Potter. Back to Harry Potter. <laughs> Ultimately, the disagreements between students and Umbridge erupt into this Harry versus her argument and everybody else just shuts up and starts watching this back and forth that's taking place and are kind of in awe because this is the first time Harry in front of a group of people and I think he said the class is like a size of 30 like 30 people I'm not very close with really um, now he's throwing out details of the night of Cedric and Boldy and him and what happened and it's just going back and forth. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, what, what's going on? And eventually it ends with her writing Harry a... Oh, it ends up with Harry getting multiple detentions. <laughs> um, but it ends up with her writing a note that she asks him to take to Professor McGonagall. And I think this is the most important part of this whole chapter, is this interaction with McGonagall. And he, he notes that you know, I've, this is another time that I've gone to McGonagall and expected to just get yelled at. Mm -hmm. And the first time he got promoted to seeker of the Quidditch team. This time, however, um, it's a very interesting interaction. And McGonagall starts off with, have a biscuit, Potter. I love it. And he notices the tone. He notices the gesture. And he's like, oh, this is not going how I thought it was going to go. And they have an interaction of and i think this is maybe mcgonagall's best teacher mentor moment with harry so far is just like talking with them about you you have to be careful yeah like you have to be careful well she's lying and then mcgonagall goes do you really think this is about truth or lies mm -hmm. like you're playing one game they're playing a whole other game yeah. that you're not seeing yet. And I'm telling you right now, and this is this conversation that they, A, should have had at Grimwald Place. B, Dumbledore should have, should have said it himself, whether in writing or in person, at some point, just be like, be careful. <laughs> like, you're in danger all the time. Be careful. And it's finally here in this office where McGonagall's like, Potter, Really. <laughs> be careful. Like, they are after you, and it's not just going to be all physical attacks. It's going to be... They're painting you as a crazy person. Yeah. Why are you giving them more and more ammo to fire out there? Mm -hmm. Chill out. Yeah. Like, can't you see the game that they're playing? And this is what all of the teachers saw... In that opening speech that she gave in the Sorting Hats new song, they all realized very quickly, oh, this is where they're going. Mm -hmm. And then it eventually leads to, like, 
weren't you there mm-hmm. when she was saying you were sitting in the great hall? And he's like, oh, yeah, she said something about uh, uh, it basically means ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. And McGonagall's like, so at least you listen to Hermione. Yeah. So at least you listen to Granger. Yeah. And it's a compliment to Hermione. It's also a slight shade thrown on Harry because it's <laughs> like, my goodness, kid. Like, do you not see what they're trying to do? Like, thankfully, you at least listen to someone that has a brain. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. But it's, a, it's I think it's a wonderful example of who Minerva McGonagall is at her core. Also, I guess you could also say it's an antithesis to Snape. In uh, the fact that they're both very bristling people. They're not student-friendly in a lot of ways. She's obviously not as abrasive as Severus is. She is abrasive, though. Make no mistake. She's curt. She is quick-witted, and she will mm-hmm. she will cut you down really quick. Maybe just not as humiliating yeah. as Severus. While they both have that commonality and that they're very tough on their students, there's a difference in that McGonagall has this soft spot where she does care about her students and she is willing to give you that advice of like, you need to watch yourself. Yeah. You need to be careful. Yeah. I don't understand why Harry doesn't go to her more often. Yeah. I never thought about that. Of just like, you're the head of my house. Yeah. You got me my spot on the Quidditch team. Right. You clearly care. You're, we know she's part of the order. Mm-hmm. So she's clued in there. Mm-hmm. She knows everything. Like, why don't you utilize that resource more? And you don't have to be like, give me all the answers and be like a rude <laughs> kid because she's not going to respond well to that. Mm-hmm. But just be like, I need your advice. Mm-hmm. Like, how would I handle this? Or this is going on if he just got a week's worth of detentions for one argument. Maybe you go up to her and be like, okay, I need help dealing with this. How can I communicate better mm-hmm. with this teacher? How help me get through this class? You know, right. If it's emotionally or what, this is his therapy moment. <laughs> this is his moment where he could have actual real counsel. Yeah. And I, I don't believe he grasped that opportunity as he should. But. Yeah. I digress. What what are your takes on on the whole thing? I mean, I love that whole scene where she's like, Potter, just just have a biscuit. Just cool off. Like, this is a safe place. Yeah. Like, just cool off. Like, watch your step. No, but I never really thought about that. Like, you know, Harry going to McGonagall for advice and counsel. I think maybe it's just because... McGonagall can be very tough love. Yeah, I mean, she's maybe more... She gives off that hardened image, whereas Lupin was much more warm and welcoming. Yeah. I also, too, think, though, that, like, Harry just has that, like, I can handle it. I can figure it out myself type of attitude. I mean, you saw that in the Triwizard Tournament. Yep. Which... I think that really gets in the way of his success at times. Yeah. I I think that kind of quality is works for him in some ways and then works against him in others. And this is 
yeah. a, a particular, and the one you just used, the Triwizard Tournament, are both examples of him using that quality ineffectively. <laughs> right. Um, but there are some instances where he doesn't rest until he gets the right answer or, mm-hmm. you know, the the full picture is in view, and then that, that can be good sometimes. He's in an interesting position here, and I just love that McGonagall was just like, do you have any idea what's going on? <laughs> right. Do you have any clue what the big picture is? Because <laughs> this ain't it. Yeah. Like, figure out. Figure out a way to just eat your words during this class. And yes, it's stupid. And yes, it's not right. But we're not playing a game of, is this justified or not? Yeah. This is a whole lot bigger than that. Yeah. So. It's a lot deeper. It's a lot deeper. And on that promising, cheerful note, we will pause here. <laughs> And we will come back in the spoiler section. I said Molly has some thoughts on Ron, so we'll get to that. We'll also get Molly's thoughts on Umbridge as a whole, because we didn't really talk about Umbridge a whole lot here. So we'll get to that in the spoiler section. Be right back. Alright, so we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 12, Professor Umbridge. And we'll get some Umbridge thoughts here in a minute, but um, really quickly, I just wanted to go back to that Cho Harry interaction you still kind of see that growth in them that kind of started from the Yule Ball-ish chapters where you start seeing like romantic relationships start developing and then you see Harry Harry here kind of getting that mindset of just like, oh, she's thinking about me. Oh, she actually came to talk to me. Okay, and you saw it in the the Hogwarts Express in like uh, one of the last couple of chapters where wow, she came and sought me out. And there's like, there's this hint of like growing. It's like a whole other subplot. Yeah. Is like the romantic relationships and how they come in and out. And that kind of started last book, but they're developing. And that there's just a moment there of hinting more towards it. So I just wanted to kind of point that out. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the relationships or whatever growing. I usually do. I'm saving them. Here's a spoiler alert for you. We have specifically <laughs> saved a particular chapter for Molly later in this book. Yes. I can't wait. So she's being uh, she's being a little coy right now because she's saving all of her thoughts for that specific chapter. Yes. And it's hilarious because like I'm not like a romantical type person. but I, I think love, that makes this even better. I, but I love like the... And I don't like watch Hallmark movies or like read romance novels, but boy, do I enjoy coming up with romantic pairs in these books. <laughs> it's some of the highlights of the podcast. <laughs> some of the relationship names that you've come up with. I like I like to to pair people up that maybe they don't know that that a little spark of love exists between them. <laughs> The Trelawney Snape stuff is still fantastic. <laughs> when I was in the Wizarding World recently, I sent her a specific picture of that chapter. Oh, it and was... I was like, I can't pass this up. I gotta send this picture. But yeah. anyway. It was the best picture. So you had some thoughts about Ron. Yeah. Speaking of relationships and his and Lavender's is a whole thing. Oh, but yeah. anyway, <laughs> Ron is a whole. Yes. Juan Juan. Give oh, me your thoughts on Juan Juan. Juan Juan. Um, so between the last chapter and this chapter in general, I feel like you really start to kind of notice like how just like average teenage boy Ron is. Um, and I really enjoy that out of the trio because you have Hermione who's just so logical, very intelligent. 
She's the one that's listening to everything. Yeah. You have Harry right now, who's just a hot mess, the poor kid. He's been a hot mess for forever. And then you just have Ron, who's just shoving chicken and pie and food into his mouth and calling out people on their Quidditch teams. And if they're really, truly a fan and it just seems so average teenage boy to me. And I love it. And I'm there for it. I want to just say, before people, you know, people might balk at the Ron fans. <laughs> might be like, he's just, you know, he's he's better than just average or whatever. I'm like, the, <laughs> being the average one's not an uh, insult. Yeah, no, I don't mean it in an I know. insult. I know, you, I know yeah, you don't. Yeah. But I just want to reiterate, like, yeah. that's a good thing. Yes. Like... Hermione has a lot going on. Harry has a lot going on. <laughs> and and Ron just plays that neutral in between very well. And we've said on multiple occasions, like, Harry can't do a lot of his things without Ron and Hermione. And Hermione can't do what she does without Harry and Ron because she might have gone off into that Percy uh, career mm-hmm. trek. And Harry might have died multiple times over without Harry, without <laughs> Hermione. But Ron is, uh, he gets a lot of flack for being like a lot of comedic relief sometimes. Yeah. Um, which he does provide a lot of. But a lot of that is just a normal contrast between the two where he's just like, yeah, he's a normal right. kid. Granted, he's a normal kid surrounded by a lot of greatness. Um and I don't mean greatness as in, like, he's bad. I mean, there's just... He's surrounded by great people, and he's surrounded by great events. Yes. And he's thrust into these big moments. And I think Ron is such a beloved character because he's the normal one. Mm-hmm. Because he's the one people might relate to the most. Right. Because they might come from a big family and feel like they're kind of lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. They might have friends that are more famous, more popular more well-liked, smarter mm-hmm. than them, and they get shoved to the side. Mm-hmm. And when they get their moments of spotlight, you know, it's fleeting, but they soak it in. Yeah. And I think people relate to Ron a lot, and there's no shame in that. I think Ron's a great, great character for it. Oh, definitely. I feel like that's, like, his superpower in the trio. Like. Yeah. That he's just, he's Ron, man. <laughs> There's no apologies from him for who he is. And I love that. Yeah. And, you know, he's always striving to be better. Mm-hmm. He's always striving to be what his older brothers are. He's always striving to get some semblance of shine mm-hmm. from Harry at some point. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, the, the prefect, when he got the prefect badge, mm-hmm. you know, Harry has that inner monologue with himself of just like, Ron needs this. Yeah. I don't need this. Ron needs this. Yeah. And it's good. And Ron Ron does get his, his moments. He gets quite a few. He, oh, definitely. He gets the prefect. He uh, gets his Quidditch moment later. <laughs> um, book five is actually a big book for him. Yeah, it he, is. He gets a lot. And I think... You know, we've talked before about him getting shorted in the movies a lot. Oh, and definitely. I, that was one of my critiques of this movie was there's a lot that I, our break sound is Weasley is our king. I know. Which starts off as a mocking thing, but ends up as a triumphant thing. And it's, you yeah. know, 
that's for Ron. Yeah. No, I really... Uh, that's one of the things that really bothers me about the movies is I feel like they really did a disservice to Ron. Like, they just make Ron look like like a cowering fool. And he's not... Ron has his faults, and we see them throughout the books. But even in his faults, we've talked about Harry a lot the last two chapters being understandable. Mm -hmm. And yes, he's doing some wrong things. He's making some wrong choices, but I can relate to those Mm -hmm. um, mistakes that he's making. I can't blame Ron for a lot of the stuff that people might knock him for. Like, uh, people will knock him for leaving in mm-hmm. the seventh one and there's reasons for that right. i mean the locket plays a massive role he's got a lot on his plate mm-hmm. you know as much as harry has lost ron is afraid of losing that and that plays a big big role and you know the, the biggest thing i could knock him for is he was awful to hermione in like book one oh, i mean he was yeah. very very just mean yeah. just flat out mean yeah. which was unnecessary right but some of the issues that he has from then on, I'm like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're kind of trying to make up for others. And he's one of the more relatable people. Yeah. I would agree. So. Yeah. Yeah, Ron is a normal kid. You know who's not relatable? At least I pray that she's not a relatable <laughs> character. If you're relating to this character, maybe we have an issue. <laughs> But uh, your thoughts on one Dolores Umbridge? Oh, Dolores Umbridge is is the worst. She is the worst. I am with Harry. <laughs> Everything. I just feel like you hear her name and it's like nails on the chalkboard. Like you just instantly just ugh, that like toad face. What What about it really sets you off? I think it's the passive-aggressive, talking-down, psychosis-type thing she has going on. Okay. Like, just that, like, oh, high-pitched... Very girly voice, like they describe it as uber-girly. But, like, there's this passive-aggressiveness behind it where she automatically, like talks down to you as a person and a human being and thinks she's the best. You know, I think there, again, I work at a high school, so I hear this a lot. Like, people, kids will always complain that their teacher is unfair. Mm -hmm. That their teacher is against them. And 9.99999 times out of 10, I immediately dismiss it because I'm like, well, you're biased. They probably gave you one bad grade. And you're just like, ah, you know, I can't believe this or whatever. And in truth, you probably deserve that great. <laughs> but here, it's palpable. Like when you're reading it, yeah. you can like feel yourself yeah. getting angry at the level of injustice of it all. And you're just like, you get mad at it. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I... The, we talked earlier on an earlier episode about how, like, how I, I don't think Umbridge actually ever formally works for Voldy. Like, I don't, I don't know. She's never a Death Eater, and she's she just works at the Ministry and works there. Yeah. Like, she enjoys her job. Mm-hmm. She's good at her job. Yeah. And I think they just let her do it. But it's not like she's ever in Voldy's inner circle. She's never a Death Eater. It's like. 
she's just enjoys being a terrible person. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> uh, she just doesn't do it for any, like, I mean, I'm sure there is a political gain aspect to it. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think she just does it because she likes it. Yeah. Which is, like, at least Voldy has a goal. It's an evil goal. Mm -hmm. But it, it, he's, like, oriented toward something. And yeah. I think she's just, like... She's just the mean girl. She's, like, the worst. The mean. She's Her mean and Marge girl. would go on great, though. Yeah. They would. Oh, I wonder if, like... You know, in a past life or something. Or in a like, multiverse. In a multiverse. Like, they're best friends. Besties. Yeah. It's a horrifying thought. It is. If we ever got, like, information from the students that wrote it out at Hogwarts through Book 7, mm -hmm. what they thought was the worst. Mm -hmm. Or who they thought was worst. The Caros or Umbridge? Ooh. Because the Caros were actually enacting, like, literal torture. Right. And, I mean, she does too, but she does right. it privately. She, they were doing it full on full in a classroom. Yeah. So, I mean, and more than what Barty Crouch Jr. was doing, he was just doing it to, like, uh, a bug or an insect or something. Right. They were doing it to actual kids. Right. So it's like, I wonder what, like, Neville, Ginny, or Luna would say, like, oh, Merge was bad, but... The yeah. caros were worse. Or the other way around, you know. <laughs> right. It would be an interesting kind of take. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we're not be... ever there at Hogwarts in book seven to really no. figure that out. No. Hogwarts in book seven sounds pretty depressing. And I will say this. I will give the movie credit for the portrayal of Dolores Umbridge. Perfection. That was absolutely perfect. She does wonderful work yeah and when i read that hem hem mm -hmm. part mm -hmm. i think of that voice yeah I mean, that's the voice that i think of and i yeah. it's stunning yeah uh just a great actress in general yeah. yeah but yeah i mean that was so well done it's just the subtlety with which she does it yeah like you can barely hear it yet you hear it clearly mm -hmm. it's a weird kind of like contradiction right but she nails it yeah Sweet, sickening voice. Yeah, unless you have anything else, I think that'll pretty much wrap up the, the chapter, Professor Umbridge. That's all I got. So we are going to be back with chapter 13 next week. So let us know what you thought on everything regarding Professor Umbridge. Give us all your thoughts on Twitter and Instagram. Support the podcast by sharing the podcast as far and wide as you can. That really helps our growth. We have a support the podcast button that you can find on anywhere that you get this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever, um, and you can make a donation to the podcast. It's a lot of time and effort that goes into doing these things, um, so any help there would be much appreciated, and yeah, so thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Bye! Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts Apod.